Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. It's a bit like at our place in uh, where we live in Sarasota, coming a hurricane, the people that get upset over, we need to store this bottle of milk or get water or whatever, you just realize how close to the edge human beings are before that whole scarcity thing does kick in and, and violence and all the rest of it. What's interesting uh, about Black Friday is it seems to pile scarcity on top of scarcity. So oftentimes, I mean, these are one day sales where it's just happening now, you have to get out there, it's gone forever. And then also there may be like doorbuster sales. Like, so this is a special price that's even lower that's only gonna be available until 9 a.m. That's kind of evidence that maybe you're a sucker. You've got the wrong day. <laughs> maybe it's actually <laughs> Thursday. Your calendar system isn't very good. It's gray Thursday and everybody else is eating Thanksgiving dinner. And you should go home. <laughs> So, Ryan, next week, Black Friday. Yes. It's a nightmare. <laughs> are, are you going to be queuing up outside waiting to get your coffee machine at, for two cents or something like that? No, I tend to avoid people just kind of in general. If you add in the madness of Black Friday. No, I, I hide indoors and draw the curtains and don't venture out the way. This is why you're recording this from Alaska, is it? In the middle of Alaska. Yes, uh, an underground bunker at an undisclosed location in Alaska. Colin and I have never actually met face to face. I prefer it that way. <laughs> so tell me, what's Black Friday like in Alaska? <laughs> it's, uh, it's like any <laughs> There's other There's a run on the store, is there? <laughs> yeah, moose jerky is usually half off. People are very excited about it. Excellent. Well, let me ask you, as we start, Black Friday, I'm assuming, is mostly an American phenomenon, or has it kind of grown like a cancer over the rest of the world? It's eking its way over here, I have to say. And, and I say over here because I'm in England at this precise moment, which is probably as far enough away from Black Friday as I can get. So I mean, just, just in case we have any international listeners who are not familiar, do you want to kind of define Black Friday for everybody and tell them why it's significant, what it means? Listen, you're the American, mate. You start off. I know. I was hoping you would do it and do it wrong, and then I could <laughs> swagger in and as an American and correct you. Okay. Well, um, so Black Friday, correct me if I'm wrong, that I've learned since living in America. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting. <laughs> it's a time when everyone goes crazy. No, it's meant to be the time when the shops go into profit because they have sales and everything from now become now onwards becomes or theoretically is meant to be profit and therefore they have big sales getting ready for the holiday season professor tell me was that was was my dissertation on black friday any good i mean it would it was like barely passable but mostly just because <laughs> i don't want to see you again next year as my student so we get that the door uh, yeah so black friday is traditionally is the friday after thanksgiving uh, it kind of kicks off the official holiday sales season. This is when a lot of people start their Christmas shopping. 
And so sales would incentivize people to go out. I mean, it's, it's a holiday in the U.S., the day after Thanksgiving. So people have free time. So they'll they'll come out with all these sales, all these doorbuster sales, like all these limited time offers and get people out there to the store. And it's as most things in life become, it's become kind of a grotesque, kind of a parody of itself where now Black Friday sales can start at like two, three, four in the morning. People need to show up. Sometimes they'll leave directly from Thanksgiving dinner to go and wait in line at some store. Even been increasing stories about violence on Black Friday where people are fighting to get limited number of things on sales. We have the same thing in England, but it's called the January sales, basically. So at 1st of January, and that's clearly when they haven't sold all, everything that they plan to sell, basically, over Christmas. All the clearance stuff. Yeah. And you can tell whether it's a good year or a bad year because it depends on whether the sales start before Christmas. Or oh, not. interesting. <laughs> so if it's a bad year, then they start the sales in normally around July. Something like that. No, I'm only joking. Well, I, I wasn't sure that you were joking or not because I'm not sure when Christmas is in the UK. I know in America it's it's in the end of December, but I, Christmas in the UK could very well be in July as far as I know. Yes. Well, it depends on when the chestnuts start roasting and stuff like that. And, and Nicholas Nickleby starts doing his stuff and Scrooge comes out and all those other wonderful things. We're going to talk a bit about Black Friday today and talk a bit about just some of the psychology behind it, I guess. Maybe from a technical perspective, tell me what's happening. Why do people go round the bend when it comes to Black Friday? So we will be talking a lot about Black Friday, but you know it's important to emphasize Black Friday is just an extreme example of something that happens much more often. So, I mean, it's really just a combination of sales and limited time and a lot of kind of social pressure, a lot of people out at the same time. So, I mean, you know, you mentioned that the January sales in the UK, you know, I know that that China has like a friend's day or something in the, in the summer that's become kind of a Black Friday shopping day in China. There are various of the, you know, in the UK or in the US, sometimes also like President's Day or Labor Day sales are very big. And then just even regular sales at uh, at certain places can get people excited and everything. This is a bit like when you turn around and go, this offer's only available for the next week. You're psychologically trying to put pressure on somebody to go, you got to come out now and get this. And, and I guess, I mean, if I think about, obviously Black Friday is a day, uh, but it seems to spread over a period of time now. Yeah, it does now, doesn't it? Black Friday sales can now start on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Like we're really pushing the meaning of Friday at this point. It's the whole concept of some of these sort of lost leaders and that as well pricing some things up absolutely a, a ridiculously low price to, but they only sell two televisions at that price. And so it causes that sort of furore, et cetera. Is this all about scarcity and stuff or what? It is. Yeah. So scarcity is, uh, is a very powerful motivator. It's the idea that something is limited either in quantity or in time or in availability it drives kind of a lot of consumer behavior. What's interesting uh, about Black Friday is it seems to pile scarcity on top of scarcity. So oftentimes, I mean, these are one day sales where it's just happening. Now you have to get out there. It's gone forever. 
And then also there may be like doorbuster sales. Like, so this is a special price that's even lower. That's only going to be available until 9am. So you need to get there as soon as the store opens. There's also limited availability sales. So as you mentioned, there'll be sometimes special promotions where there'll be five TVs that are sold at a super low price. So only the first five people to get to the back of the store to get the TVs will get the price. So it's this phenomenon that's often seen in sales situations and marketing and in retailing. But these one-day sales seem to like just kind of amp up the pressure on on scarcity. So as usual, you know, one of the things that we always say to on these shows is there's never one thing happening. But I presume that along with scarcity, there's this whole bit about fear of missing out, FOMO, that everybody else is doing it. So we better go down there and buy it and all that type of stuff as well. I mean, so usually I, I agree with your point that more than one thing is going on at any one time. That's true. In this particular case, though, that's just one thing. So FOMO is very much a scarcity phenomenon. Like this experience is only going to happen once and I'm afraid of missing out on it. Ah, right. Okay. So it's like a subset. Yeah, exactly. So FOMO is driven by scarcity. So, you know, when your friends say, hey, let's go out to the bar and you say, I would rather do anything else in my life than go out to the bar right now. But you're afraid that if you don't go, then something might finally happen at the bar. That would be exciting and interesting, and you might miss it if you don't go. That's also kind of a scarcity phenomenon where, you know, that experience will never this way come again. And so if you don't go out and do it, then you're going to miss out on it. So I understand what you're saying, but where's the difference then between that and sort of the social pressure to do something because everybody else is doing it? Or is that the same thing? Uh, no, so that that would be different. So social pressure, or, or sometimes it's called social proof, this idea that if other people like it, it must be good. That also can play into it, and it can play into it in Black Friday events as well, and also FOMO, I guess, from that perspective. Again, there's a reason why if you show up at store opening and nobody else is there, that's kind of evidence that maybe you're a sucker. You've got the wrong day. <laughs> maybe it's actually <laughs> Thursday. Your calendar system isn't very good. It's gray Thursday and everybody else is eating Thanksgiving dinner. You should go home. <laughs> I bet that's happened as well. Oh, I'm sure that's happened. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. But yeah, it's, it's evidence that maybe, you know, if everybody else doesn't think this is very good, then there's probably a better sale going on somewhere else and maybe you should leave. Whereas if it's the place is mobbed, then that's social proof that this is really compelling. So Black Friday kind of just layers these social, all these consumer pressures onto us. So when I was sort of looking into this before we did this, it, it, oh, here's an interesting tidbit for you from an article I read about Black Friday. Did you know that accidents, car accidents, spike by 34%, go up by 34% on a Black Friday? I didn't know that, but it is very consistent with some recent research that has been done on scarcity. We know that scarcity makes things appear more valuable, that we like them more, that they're more motivational. There was a, a paper that came out a few years ago 
called The Dark Side of Scarcity. And it was by it was by these researchers who hypothesized that in the process of the reason that that scarce resources are are more valuable is because we know we need to compete for them. If there's only five TVs that are at that special price, we need to beat out everybody else except for four other people in order to get at them. And so that might make us more competitive and more aggressive. So they, they ran a series of experiments where they tested this. We've got these phenomena where people actually die in Black Friday sales. They get trampled, they get crushed, and they get into fist fights. So they, they wanted to explore this and just a series of fascinating experiments and very, very clever ones. So they would do things like give people a scarcity promotion, like expose them to ads that say, you know, this is a limited time offer or there are only a few available and then have them play a violent video game. And the people who saw the scarcity ads versus a control ad exhibited more violent behavior during the video game. This is one of my favorite like consumer behavior experiments I've ever heard about. Same thing, they would expose people to a scarcity prime versus a not prime. And then they would say, okay, the next part of this experiment, you need to go down to the vending machine in the basement of this building, buy this one particular kind of candy bar, and then bring it back up so that you can eat it and taste test it. Tell us what you think about it. The experiment, though, they set up this vending machine specifically in the basement so that it was broken. So it would take your money and then not give you the candy bar. And they set up a hidden video camera to tape people's interaction with it. And so they counted like they measured how aggressive people were towards this vending machine. So they, you know, did you, did you smack it? Did you shake it? Did you kick it? And they found that people who had been exposed to a, a scarcity prime. So like a, a sale that featured a, a limited time offer or limited availability, they were more aggressive. They were more violent towards this vending machine and more likely to smack it around and shake it to try to get what they needed out of it. You're now making me think of zombie films. <laughs> Because when you see these, you know, it's a bit like at our place in uh, where we live in Sarasota, coming a hurricane, the people that get upset over, we need to store this bottle of milk or get water or whatever, you just realise how close to the edge human beings are before that whole scarcity thing does kick in and, and violence and all the rest of it. I mean, this is a pretty standard kind of backdrop for a lot of post-apocalyptic novels and movies, right? There's scarce resources, so we all turn into to monsters and, and try to kill each other. It, it, there, there must be another thread, though, isn't there, of, of sort of winning the prize or whether it's sort of dopamines kicking in and going hey, you know, that's great. We've Look at what I've got. And, you know, I've always wanted to have this 97-inch television or whatever it may be. So maybe, I don't know what it is, but maybe a sort of an achievement thing. Oh, sure. I mean, if you win, right, if you're one of the five to get the super cheap TV, then that's great. You feel wonderful about that. In terms of what's going on inside of you, this, this same paper I was referencing, they actually did a a cheek swab they had people spit into a little container so that they could measure their hormone levels and scarcity promotions including the stuff that you'd see on black friday causes testosterone levels to rise which is testosterone tends to drive aggressive behavior in a lot of situations so i mean this, this is a biological response we could tell a, an evolutionary psychology story about if you're living on the savannah and there's scarce resources and you need to get to that water, to that food before anybody else in order for you to be able to survive. 
how this might be kind of an important driver for you. It's not all darkness, though. I mean, I, I should say we don't want to depress people too much. This research on scarcity leading to aggression is very, very interesting. And I think it's got a lot of kind of face validity when we hear it. We go, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. As you mentioned, there's more accidents, there's deaths associated with Black Friday. There's also, though, another stream of research that suggests that scarcity can, in some circumstances, bring people together and cause them to work together. Kelly Goldsmith, who we had on this podcast about a year ago, also talking about scarcity, she's got some research that suggests that under scarcity conditions, it can motivate us to kind of pull together and and help other people out and, and kind of be more communal also. So it's not it's not all bad news, but we can express expect, you know, both of these things. And I'm not sure that in a Black Friday sales situation, we're going to be especially likely to come together and work as a community. That seems to cue aggression. And I guess it's also about perceived scarceness, isn't it? Yes. Because it doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't enough televisions or whatever it may be. It's just that they've managed to put that in your mind and you believe that there isn't enough. I mean, so from a certain perspective, it's artificial scarcity because these retailers have chosen to only make five TVs available at this price when they've actually got more TVs and they could, you know, they could have made them all slightly cheaper instead of just making a few very cheap. So there's kind of this artificial scarcity, but that's still real, even if it's manufactured by somebody else, there really are only five available. There's other forms of scarcity though, where it may just feel like there's not a lot of something, even if there in reality is, right? So they could have a display with only a few items at it and then just restock the display frequently, right? So they're not actually going to run out, but it looks like there's only a few on hand. And so that can cue scarcity in, in a way where it's not real, but it just seems like it is. It doesn't matter whether it's real or not. It, if you feel like it's real, you're going to act like it's scarce. And that goes back to the choice architecture thing, doesn't it? Which is, I guess, if you've got a hundred of the products sat on the shelf and it looks full all the time, then that sends you one message. If you've got a big empty shelf and only about four things sitting there, that would send you a different signal. Exactly right. Okay, so let's draw this to a close and ask our normal question, which is, so what? What does this mean that people should do? What advice would we give them? Well, from a consumer standpoint, recognize that you may be behaving differently under some of these scarcity settings, whether Black Friday or something else, than you otherwise maybe would. And so take a step back and realize that you're maybe not this aggressive in your normal life. And are you comfortable (laughs) with your own behavior now? Realize that we're going to also value things differently and more because we feel like this is a limited time thing. And, And so, you know, try to cool off a little bit as you're making these decisions from a consumer standpoint. On the sales side, on the the marketer side, recognize the power of scarcity as a motivator. When people feel like something is a, a limited time offer limited availability or limited quantity or limited time. These are very, very powerful motivators. Recognize that if you're going to layer in kind of the physical presence, 
I think it is incumbent on retailers to to start to take precautions and, and protect people from the effects of these things, right? So if you're creating a powder keg where you're going to cram a bunch of people together, where they're all, all going to be in a situation where they're likely to be more aggressive and then fighting after a scarce resource, you should bear some responsibility for that also. So are there things you can do to make sure that everybody stays safe? And can you increase perceived scarcity maybe without actual scarcity and, and some of these other things? I think for me, the key issue from a marketing perspective is it's scarcity is just such a powerful tool, basically. Sales and all those things, powerful tool, but it has to be time limited. There's no point in saying, oh, there's one thing which is saying we've reduced the price of this to X. But if you then add on, we've reduced the price of this to X and it's only available for Y, then that puts the scarcity on steroids, basically. The other part for me that's interesting is then it's just that sort of whole choice architecture thing, which is how can you reinforce the message that there is scarcity here? And how do you increase that fear of missing out to create that whole buzz around it? And therefore, it's the sort of the whole messaging around all those things as well. So... Okay, so we hope that's been of, uh, of use to you. If you could, it would be really good if you wouldn't mind going on and giving us a review of the podcast, be it good, be it bad. Reviews are always very useful for us. They help us spread the message and, and get us up the rankings. So if you can do that, that'd be wonderful. And those rankings are scarce. There can only be one number one podcast and Colin and I will absolutely fight violently for that. And that's where we're heading. Okay, great. Thanks so much for your time. Talk to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.